No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Weeks in a row for the Word Bros. It's up like that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard to to have two two weeks worth of episodes in a row, especially with what's going on out there in the in the world. Don't call it a comeback. We've been here for years. Yes, we have a very we have a very special guest today, uh, Jason McNamara. You're going to listen to this conversation, and you are going to want to make comic books. You're going to want to sit down at your your laptop or your desktop or your typewriter or your Pen and yes. yes. And you are going to want to write comic books because it is uh, it is an inspiring conversation. Uh, Jason is a very interesting dude. He's got a book right now that you can pick up on Indiegogo. Um, it's called Kevin. What's that book called? Nocturnal Commissions. It looks really great. It, it it's an awesome book. Uh, yeah. Backed it on Kickstarter, and I think you should back it too. Go to Indiegogo, grab it. Listen to Jason. You'll you'll be like set to make some comics. You'll learn something today on Word Bros, which we can rarely ever say we're educational, but today we are. If yeah. anything, we're detracting from your education. So any yeah. educa- any education that you've gotten is slowly dwindling away from listening to our stupid voices. But hey, listen for an hour and and, and learn something. This is our friend, our good guy, Jason McNamara, here on Word Bros. He's, he recorded his Kickstarter video in front of his bookshelf with all of his books on there. And I love how anytime we speak to an author, they're sitting in front of a bookshelf. It's like they have to do it. It's like they just feel the need to sit in front of like, look at all the things I've read. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so learned. I know everything. I am prolific. Yes. <laughs> I got these one at Ikea when I had a sale. That's awesome. Yeah, I just put them up. I don't know what they're about. That's awesome. Yeah, people don't read. There's props. I think it's part of the problem, though, with this industry that we're all in, is people don't read. No, they don't. (laughs) Not enough enough people read. I'm already recording because I like to hot record, just so you know, Jason. I don't Hot record? Is that an industry term? I just like to jump right in, man. I I just like to get right in. Because we've had people on the guest where we're like, okay, let's go. And the pre-conversation has been really good. And then we say, okay, let's start. They get all clammy and nervous. So sometimes right. I just like to just keep it rolling just to see how we go. You just go right into yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I should I should be more nervous. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I'm always afraid I'm going to say something stupid. I mean, I will say something stupid. Let me put it that way. <laughs> well, there well, are de- Let's get to the stupid stuff. Well, to, to be fair, there are degrees of stupid. There's like silly stupid and there's like hurtful stupid. As long as you're silly stupid, we're fine. Oh, right on. Okay. You know? Can I just say you have an excellent voice for this, by the way? Thank you. I, I had a. I used to do radio back in the day. I, I was, yeah. So yeah, it's just natural, natural thing. Well, I feel like I'm in good hands. You're, you'll be great. Yeah, you Jason. are. Be great. Yes. So let I mean, me know. Let me know when we're gonna start. We've already started. Okay. Yes. We're good. We're we're going. We're just gonna do this. Say the whatever first, stupid things now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the first thing I want to ask is, you teach comics, like oh. writing comics, right? Like that. I do. The, yeah. I'm an educator. That's awesome. So tell us, what are Kevin and I doing wrong? Have you like why? Why are we getting anywhere? Like everything. That's what he's going to say. <laughs> what are we doing wrong? Uh, we all should have joined the fire department as teenagers because then we could have been like retired by now. That's what you did wrong. <laughs> all right, all right. So, is so, we didn't join a union right away. So you're saying my mistakes were made early? Yeah. So our mistakes were probably. I got a comic book. My father taught me to read with comic books. Same. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that motherfucker's fault. Uh, we had bad parents. Like we never had a chance. Like if I have a kid, I'm gonna give him like a crack pipe and be like, "You want a shot in life, <laughs> but don't 
don't ever let me fucking catch you with a comic book, you little shit. It's bad news. It's <laughs> yeah. I, have a, I have two kids. They both read comics because much like your dad and Kevin's parents, I got my kid. It's 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 sneaky literacy, you know. It is, it yeah. Is. So yeah, that's too but, bad, man. You seem like somebody might love his kids. I do. They're really nice. They're good awesome. people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're good people. How old are they? <laughs> a seven and nine. Seven and nine. Right on. Yeah. What do they read? Um, my daughter is nine. She reads all of the Raina Tellmeyer and associated books with that. Like we started out with like peanut stuff and we still read peanuts like the old strips, but like the peanut comics that boom did a couple years ago. We started out with that. We started out with like the superhero friends, like the girls, that girls line they had for a while, that superhero high or whatever that DC was doing. Sure. We read that for a stretch, but she kind of fell into a groove of like, the Raina Tellmeyer kind of umbrella of books. Oh, yeah, all the stuff I don't read. It's You know what? <laughs> that it's, sells millions of copies. <laughs> it's really good stuff. Um, sometimes the lettering in the books, if I don't want to sound like one of those guys, but sometimes the lettering in the books leaves things to be desired. And right. I've noticed that a lot of the books, they kind of fall under the same category. It's um, two friends going to middle school, friends grow apart, and what happens then? Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Like it's like very much coming of age kind of. This yeah, was my friends. this yeah this was my best friend and since kindergarten and now we're going to junior high and she likes fashion and I like yes yeah. yeah and we're not friends anymore and how do we deal with that like it's a, a lot of the stuff she reads is kind of derivative of that but it's still so, well done right. you know I don't have any nostalgia for that era of my life like when I stop being friends with someone they're just dead to me really like right. they're, they're just gone okay like, whatever happened to that guy like oh i remember he liked aerosmith and i didn't so uh i've never spoken to him since 1987 that was oh it's a family who cares <laughs> it's, He's weird dead to you, me. it's weird that you had mentioned that because my wife was a big air my wife is a big aerosmith fan oh, oh man and I, I know and i remember her Jesus. telling me that on like our second or third date and i was like aerosmith sucks like they're not good yeah. at all and but, <laughs> We were able to we were able to bridge that gap and continue on. Was "Don't Wanna uh, Miss a Thing" your wedding song? Yes, that was exactly it. It was I, I wore a spacesuit and everything. It was really awesome. Man, well, uh, yeah, you know, Aris, love Aris con- love finds a way, man. Despite our humongous differences in life, now, cultural and uh, personal. Now, why don't you like Aerosmith? Because I have two ears. Because <laughs> I have self-esteem. Uh, because they're garbage. Because it's butt rock. <laughs> I mean, Dream On was Dream On is a listenable song because it doesn't sound like Aerosmith. No, his voice sounds so much different. On yeah. That song. yeah, it's like that one Bob Dylan album where he sounds like a, a guy who can sing. Are uh, you talking about right? the country? The country record? No, like um, Lay Lady Lay. Yeah, the, the that's the Nashville skyline. Or blood on the tracks, or whatever one where he stops smoking, and all you all of a sudden you're like, oh, this guy's so smooth. Yeah, you know. See, I like Dylan. I've always. I mean, but you can't say anything too much, Bob. I mean, you like Neil Diamond. I love Neil Diamond. See, Neil Diamond's a great songwriter. Thank you. He's the he's the Jewish Elvis. Like that guy's. I don't hate Neil Diamond. I don't hate him. (laughs) I I just don't want. I mean, like I could take it or leave it. That's one of those things. Like you guys have bands that you could take or leave. You just don't care. Right. It's innocuous. Yeah, I I have no feeling. Can we, all, can we all agree Dave Matthews is fucking the worst? Yeah, no, yes. Right? Yeah, okay, cool. Then we're all friends here. Yeah, yeah. That's Dave good. Matthews sucks. Yeah, he can unite anybody. Yeah. That yodeling fuck. Um, <laughs> so my wife and her friends, they love Dave Matthews. And ah. he, yeah. I, See, look, we, you have one we, too then. See? We make it work. We, you know, we, we just, I just don't bring it up a lot. It's just one of those things you learn to live with. But he will play the gorge for like three or four days in a row. And they're like, look. We know you don't want to go, but we have we have to extend an invitation because you're married into the family. And I'm like, uh-huh. that is really sweet. Do I want to spend three or four days on mushrooms listening to that fuck yodel? I would rather jam a hot poker in my eye. Okay. So the answer is, thank you for inviting me. The answer is no. Okay. All right. Yeah, Not like that, but it's fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> he's from here like where bob where bob is and i well not here like uh he's from charlottesville virginia well he's yeah. actually from south africa but he lived in charlottesville, charlottesville. that's why he started yeah, dave matthews band he sucks i'm not gonna yeah he's awful i'll tell you this now how do you feel about uh james taylor 
I get, like innocuous. It's okay. like super vanilla. Yeah. It's it's like uh, no flavor at all. It means nothing to me. I have no I, opinion because it's I, not a real thing. I hate James Taylor. Um, and when I worked Jimmy here, Buffett. Let's hang on, hang on. I have a good James Taylor story. <laughs> I don't think I've ever told you this one, Kevin. Um, when I worked in radio, I got tickets because my wife is a big James Taylor fan because it's her it's music her dad listened to, so it's got like a it's got a deeper meaning for her. When uh, I worked in radio, I got her tickets to see James Taylor, and she was like, "Are you going to come with me?" And I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll go." And so I was gung ho to go with her to be a good husband until like three days before the show. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to go. <laughs> I was like, go on, go on Tinder, find a date. I'm busy. I was like, Why don't you go with your dad or something? You guys will enjoy it. I was like, because I'm not going to have fun. Uh, so I didn't go to James Taylor with her. That's, that's the kind of husband I am. <laughs> Dude, that's the kind of husband I am. You guys have fun. I'll see you in four days. Yeah. Hey, so let me know when we start and we can start talking about teaching comics. Well, teach us. Teach no, us what teach. you know, man. We are here to learn. We are here teach to learn us. from you. We, we are well, Padawan you learners are in your hands. And you are supremely fucked, my friends. How did you get a gig teaching comics? That's yeah, what that's I was right. oh, I know the answer to that one. So uh, my wife uh, is runs a department at Pacific Northwest College of Art. <laughs> Thumbs up nepotism. All right. Yeah. So she, but no, let me tell you. So she runs uh, the continuing education department which has nothing to do with where I work, the department I work in. But she was in a meeting and the department, uh, the writing head of the, said, you know, we really need someone to teach comics. My wife was like, you know, that's the, literally the only thing my husband is good at. Like that's his only skill in life. He's really? a failure at all other areas. <laughs> so uh, I met with the department head and uh, we hit it off. And I thought, you know, I don't really want to teach. I don't really want to work at all. Um, but uh, I thought, okay, I'll do it for a semester uh, because I need the income and I'll make my wife happy. And then I learned that I actually really enjoy it. Okay. So I don't have kids. And uh, I thought, oh man, I don't want to be around young people. That's terrible. Um, but I actually like, I have a Socratic approach where we have a dialogue and I'm learning from them as much as they're learning from me. All right. Um, and so actually, is, that, is that a creative way to say you're stealing their ideas? <laughs> No, because I don't really understand their ideas <laughs> because we're all from different worlds. When I talk about my frame of reference, you know, I'm always talking about like how a, a good theme can elevate a dodgy premise. And I always give Jaws as the example. And no one in the room has seen Jaws. Get the fuck out of here. Really? No, no, really. This, gen yeah. this generation hasn't watched Jaws, man. No, but they want to talk about Steven's universe and Adventure Time. And I'm like, I, I okay. Tell me why. Tell me why that fits to the three-act structure. Tell me why that theme elevates it. And then we have this this dialogue, and I'm not just talking at them. I want to talk with them. So having a good teacher, I was ready to, if I could share. Share. Sure. Uh, when I was 15, I was counting the days until I could drop out of high school. I hated high school. I hated everybody in the high school. I just wanted to go and be a clam digger like my father. <laughs> All right? That was my, that's how ambitious I was. And I met a teacher, his name was Bob Mondanero. <laughs> and he changed my life. He brought me into his classroom. I needed something to do because I kept getting thrown out of all these other classes. So I would just hang out in the library all day and read. And they came in to take their pictures for their, their media cards. That's our new kids in the class. And he was like, oh, cool, you should take the class. You'll love it. We tell stories, we do this. And he was like, I grew up on Long Island, which is sort of conservative. And he was like this out gay guy uh, who, commuted from the city to long island which is insane yes that's a that's a nuts drive yeah if you're gay on long island you get off the island you don't commute in <laughs> uh and i thought he was really uh punk rock he was really sort of rebellious and had his own way of of just being like and I, he really impressed me so i started taking his class and we just talked about story all day long and then eventually he gave me the keys to the studio so i could edit my own films and that teacher prevented me from dropping out of college i mean yeah. dropping out of high school i would not have a high school diploma if it was not for that teacher so then years later uh, i'm writing comic books and i did a book called first moon and i dedicated it to him and i was very excited to actually send him a copy uh, and then I found out he had passed away. Oh, that's oh. a bummer. And I never got a chance to have that, you know, like, hey, you inspired me and took a little bit of time, but I found my footing and thank you for being a teacher and taking an interest in me. And I was a lot of work. Someone, he spent a lot of time that he didn't have to engaging with me to get me interested and to not drop out of high school. So that I could do a little bit of that um, at my age now where I'm in my 40s and I would normally have kids that to me is like I get to give back and hopefully I can have that you know exchange with someone else that's wonderful that's, that's awesome. a very yeah, it's a very a touching story. story yeah thank you 
Wow, what a, you're a man of many layers, Jason. <laughs> now, do, tell so, us about, tell yeah. us about nocturnal uh, commissions here. Tell us about this book. How did that happen? How did how did how did you get Greg Hinkle, who worked on Airboy with Yeah, uh, that's a good get, dude. To, that, to, that's awesome. So we did a book. How, how you how you awesomely pitched him this idea. He pitched me. We had done the Rattler together before Airboy. Okay. And actually, uh, at the end of the Rattler, James Robinson is in a hospital bed with a copy of Airboy next to him. Interesting. Yeah, so he was working on, I got him, we met in San Francisco, and he had graduated the Academy, and I think the Rattler was his first long-form book. Uh, he did the classic thing when you graduate college, you say yes to everything, and then nothing yeah. gets done. <laughs> uh, so the Rattler was slow going in the beginning, but when I started getting his pages in, I realized that my script needed to evolve and change because what he was delivering was so good. His artwork has its own sort of like soundtrack and mood. And so because he was so, he was so slow at the time, he's gotten a lot faster. I was sort of rewriting the script 10 pages ahead of him so I could constantly respond to whatever he was doing. Interesting. Um, yeah, so that book, we were super proud of the book. Um, it got a good response. I kickstarted it and then Image picked it up and they republished it. Nice. So we got paid That's twice, awesome. which is not bad. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, but Greg and I have always stayed in touch, and we've always wanted to work together. Um, so he was on Black Cloud. That wrapped up. He did the Airboy. And then his schedule was open, and he's like, I just want to do monsters. I want to do, like, a big, crazy, fun monster romp. And we were both so burnt out on these self-serious horror books. Um, so really, we had to talk about – we spent a weekend together at a convention – and we just kept talking about like how we can make this unique in the marketplace and what's the theme of the book? Why, why do a monster book? What's the point of it? And at the time, and currently, um, we see the world is very, very fractured and people are not getting along and tribalism and we're just further splintering and splintering to the point where nothing gets done. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if you could have a werewolf, a vampire and a zombie come together as a unit? Uh, all sort of outcasts of their own community, as we all feel like outcasts, right? Everyone in comics feels this way. And if they could get along and join forces and make sort of peace with one another to do good, can't the rest of us? Mm -hmm. So that was how it came together. But it's, you know, it's the messages in the background. Really, it's a fun monster romp. Um, Greg is the best illustrator on the planet. Really? They're, they're, he is. That is not a discussion right. we're having. All right. He's the best. Now, how does he? Uh, how does he feel about you telling people that? Like, is he? Does he cool? Is he cool with that or no? He's he's got a newborn. He doesn't know what I'm saying about. Okay, him. that's cool. Though. <laughs> yeah, he has no idea. You're exactly I, right. I, yeah, he he's care less. He can care less. <laughs> yeah, he, he's not on social media very much. He is a quiet guy. He's a homebody. He's just a really really sweet dude, who loves comics and cartooning and, yeah, he but he really is. You've seen his work. Like, I'm so uh, grateful and lucky that we get to work together. But we're also pals. So there's a fine balance. You know, cool. you don't want to overburden your friendships. Those are really important to me. And um, if I have to choose between a collaborator and a friend, I'll always take the friend. So why Indiegogo? Because the book is like, you can still back the book on Indiegogo, yes? Like, it's still here. If I wanted a copy of this book, I could get one on Indiegogo? Yes, yes? Absolutely, yeah. So okay. the, the first, uh, we did a Kickstarter to publish it. Okay. Greg and I did the book on our own. One of my philosophies about kickstarting is never kickstart something that's not done because this is totally, it's a wholly separate part of your brain that creates something and then markets something. And if someone asks you, where is the book? And you have, you have totally blown it. You want to exceed people's expectations. We did the book on our own on weekends over the course of a year. And then we kickstarted it and found the money to print it and to ship it out to people. Okay. Um, I printed a couple extra hundred copies for conventions that no longer exist. Well, currently they'll be back. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, but when, it, it's a separate like, when, are, yeah, when, when are conventions coming back? I can't see that happening yeah. anytime soon. I think we're not even looking at like 2021. Like, who fucking knows when these things are going to yeah. come back? And will there be demand for nocturnal commissions in 2023? I don't. I don't want to be the sole distributor of this. I don't want to be sitting on a gold mine of unsold <laughs> copies. So the 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 um, Indiegogo is for copies that exist are behind me right now. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, but uh, we did exclusives for the Kickstarter to make that sort of special, and then the regular cover is available through Indiegogo. Interesting. So you're using like Indiegogo. You're using Indiegogo as like a storefront, basically. Yeah, it's a second platform. It's called an in demand. And uh, Indiegogo approached me about doing it. Well, well. Oh. Well, uh, <laughs> yes. They like money like anybody else. Yeah, right? 
Um, so yeah, it works as a secondary chain. It's like a storefront, which is also what I did with Sucker, um, which I'll do with the next book as well. I'm writing this down. I never even thought about that. <laughs> Because that's, that's a really good idea. We're now, why, now, are you using like a traditional publisher for this book at all? Because it looks no. fantastic. You're just doing this all on your own. Like you're not going to. just me. That, that's awesome. Now, why are you doing it that way? You have indie, you have um, image cred, right? Why not just everybody, everybody I know has got a pipeline to Stevenson, bro. Why not just give it to Stevenson and see what <laughs> happens? <laughs> uh, I don't have a pipeline to Jack or shit. Okay. All right. So, um. I, I'm. I, you would think I'd have better. I don't have any. This look. You could pull. You could pitch it to a publisher and wait a year to get a yes or a no. And in that time, you could just do it yourself. So a couple of years ago, I made the decision that I was not going to hinge my career or my self-esteem or my sanity on people responding to emails. I could just do it myself. And if another publisher wants to come along and do this as a series, happy to have that conversation. But it's always better, in my opinion, to show a publisher what you did as opposed to what you would like to do. Yes. Right. And the Rattler uh, through Image is a great example because I'll tell you, we sent it to Image and they said no. <laughs> and then we kickstarted it and they said, uh, and then Greg said, hey, would you guys like to do the Rattler? And I said, sure, that looks great. What has changed? <laughs> it's the same book, but you have shown that there's an audience for it. You went yes. out and marketed it. And more importantly, you did it. No one has to hold my hand to show me how to publish a book. Um, so I think the less needy you appear to a publisher, the more likely you will get a yes. Yes. Right? I don't have a great idea for a book. I've got a book. You know no, what I need? Your logo on it. That's it. And yeah. I'll step out of the way and let you do your thing. And to, to be fair, I mean, sometimes the the logo and the distribution is all they're really giving you because it's all it's all on you to get do the legwork yes. and make people buy this right. book you know like well, you so. gotta find the artist anyway when we, when you're in indie comics you have to start yeah. start at the base and find the and find someone to draw your book you know and that's that in the beginning that's the hardest part when you first start out I would yeah. say, you know. not finding an illustrator, finding an illustrator that will finish a project. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> a, a money that you can pay them. I pay all my illustrators, but you're not always going to find someone. Even money is not the motivator to finish a project. You have yes. to write something for someone that they can be engaged with and be passionate about. Now, let me and ask you. Hard. Now, when you approach an art, now I guess Greg would be a different breed of cat because you guys are friends. But let's say you're perusing around on the interwebs and you find someone's art that you really dig like how would you approach someone that you don't know about doing a book uh well you know greg has said no to projects i've pitched some things that he's like man maybe not maybe you know he's, <laughs> he's not just gonna do it because we're friends he's yeah, yeah. he wants it and i'm also writing it for him like i'm creating it for him okay um i did not have a werewolf zombie monster thing in my back pocket uh, so if i'm cruising around the webs i usually want an introduction it is hard to find people. I'm always looking for new people to work with. Okay. Uh, right now I have a script that's done. It's a sci-fi horror script and I don't have an artist for it. And I'm looking for the right person. I'm looking for, I'm always looking for an artist that has their own voice. Because if I wanted to find a Jim Lee knockoff, like you could swing a dead cat and you could find someone who worships Jim Lee. And Jim Lee is great, but I'm not getting Jim Lee and I don't want a Jim Lee clone. I want someone that can tell their own story and has their own style and voice. And you look at that work and you go, that is them. Yes. So Greg is holy Greg Hinkle. Tony Talbert is holy Tony Talbert. Uh, I'm working with Anka Gladnick on a project, and they are like, I think they will have a tremendous career as a cover artist. Um, I like a Bill Sankiewicz type career as a cover artist. Really oh, nice. Blown away by their covers. Yeah, you'll I'll show them to you. You'll just your jaw will hit the floor. That's awesome. Um, and they're grokking the interior stuff really, really quickly. That's so, cool. That's very cool. So who's unique? I want to I want to find something that I want to look at and that has a voice of its own, and it's hard to find sometimes. Interesting, yeah. right. but I'm always open, uh, open to any people, any sort of collaborations. But I generally don't find someone online and approach them because it sounds creepy and weird. Like, hey, I like your work. Do you want to work on a project? It's such a personal relationship. Yes. Um, and I want to know that they're going to finish a project, and I would rather just. I can just hang on to that script. I don't want to just give it to anybody. Makes sense. Because yeah. Kevin and I are very much of the mindset that like, much like you did with Greg, we like to write to the artist's kind of tastes. Because... Their talent. Uh, um, a writer lives with the page for 45 minutes. Maybe half an hour. Could be two days. It could take a long time. But an artist is going to live with a page for a day or two. 
you know, they're going to live with a script for 30 days where you can write something in a week. So you kind of have to keep them interested and keep them motivated, if that makes sense. Like if, sure. you, if you've got a guy that doesn't want to draw horses and you're like, let's do a Western, Western then, yeah. then you're screwed. You know, you know what I'm saying? So an artist's time is infinitely more valuable than a writer's time. That's what it really is. Right. One of the first yeah. things I tell the kids is don't assume that they just get your story and love it. You know, every panel, every page has to have a reason to exist. Um, and it, you have to pull them into the emotional arc of your story, uh, beat by beat. And don't assume that an artist doesn't read a script, experience a script the same way we do as consumers. Like we pick up a book and we read it front to back. An artist has to live with every little panel <laughs> for days, weeks, yep. maybe months at a time. Yeah. Is it interesting enough for them to stay on board? And sometimes the answer is no. Yeah. That's awesome. how, yeah. Money is not a motivator. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Because really, yeah. It, on the indie level, we can pay people more than, I don't want to badmouth any publishers, but there are publishers out there paying, you know, 70 bucks a page. I know. Right. Yes. We, I, found, we found that out in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. And I can, I can top that on an indie level, but I will still have artists prefer to go that route because that's the way everyone goes to the industry. Well, don't right. you think it's also because it's the clout of it? It's like the, the, the having the publisher's name on the yes, book like we talked it's, about earlier. It's the, I exactly, no, I feel <laughs> the same way you do, but it's a lot, a lot of it is very much, oh, I've got a book at this publisher. I've got a book uh, yes. here. I've got a book there, as opposed to I'm working with Steve and he pays me more money, but at least I've got a book at so and we, we still, still have publisher. a book. Yes, we yeah. still have yeah. a book. My landlord doesn't give a shit where the money comes from. <laughs> <laughs> there is no clout with my landlord. I just pay it. And I can do better on my own than having the clout of being broke and working at Company X. Next time you're at a convention, if they ever have it, the next time you see an up-and-coming writer, do me a favor. Look at their teeth. <laughs> Nothing will break your heart to see someone who's like the hot writer of the moment. And you look at their teeth, and it is ghastly. <laughs> so what is the metric of success? Is it propping up somebody else's house of IPs or is it doing work that you're proud of and that you can stand behind? And look, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, 20 years ago, I wanted to work for Marvel. Uh, I, I remember very clearly taking Tony Talbert, we were working on a book called Lesson Hero, probably 2002. We're getting drunk in a bar, as we often did. And I, uh, we didn't like the state of things. I said, Tony, in six months, you and I are gonna be working on Spider-Man, I promise you. Well, you know, it took us two years to do that one graphic novel. <laughs> and uh, 17 years later, uh, I'm no closer to reinventing Spider-Man for Marvel. And honestly, that, that goal is gone. Like, that metric of success is not – that, to me, is not success. To me, success <laughs> is doing stories I'm super proud of with people with work that I'm, I'm excited about and managing my own career. So uh, when people say, why do you do this on your own? It's like, because I have to. Like, no one's – I'm not – I don't have the opportunities people think I have. And what, what can I control is this. I can control writing and publishing. That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a good answer, too. No, it is a good answer. And I mean, like, there are cats in the comics field that feel the same way you do. And I think Kevin and I are along those same lines. Like, we are with a publisher for our book, but a lot of that is just for distribution purposes. Like, just to get it further out. We made Metal Shark Bro via Kickstarter, kickstarted ourselves. Because much like you, we pitched a book that people, that major publishers were like, no, we're good. But then yeah. we, we don't see this being marketable. Then we raised 25 Yeah, yeah that's what they said. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and you have to it, show them it is. Yes. And part of that too is also like a very much like, hey, fuck off. Like we know what we're talking about here. Like, Aren't you I exhausted look, by asking for permission? To yes. Do it's, what you fucking know it's right. I'm not doing it anymore. I, yeah. just, I refuse. That's I, awesome. just, I don't have the heart. I don't have the energy for it anymore. <laughs> I don't go to conventions because I can't. I'm just not good at it. I'm not good at navigating the community. I'm not good at like uh, navigating the gatekeepers. Like I've been making comics for 17 years. I don't have a pipeline to Eric Stevenson. I <laughs> but everybody, I thought everybody does. Except for us. The three of us. I have his email. You know, but he, he has to remi rem remember something about the Eric Stevenses of the world. They do love comics, right? Mm -hmm. No doubt. But imagine how many emails they get a day. No, oh, no, totally. Like they are yeah. barraged. Same thing with editors. Like they are barraged with, I would like to do this. I would like to do this. I've got a great idea. Just do it yourself and send them the book and be like, I, it's done. Yes or no is, is really my opinion. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So will you do that with uh, nocturnal commissions when it's all, it's all said and done, it's out, you're finished with it. Are you going to send that to somebody and go, Hey, you want to put this out or are you just, are you happy with it where it is now? Uh, I could always, I would love to find a publishing home for it because that would enable Greg to spend more time on it. Okay. Um, there is, it is, you guys know this, it's exhausting self-publishing a book. Yes. I've done it, but it is exhausting. And the next book is done, lettered, ready to go. And it's been done and ready to let it go for months. But I'm just so tired. I'm just so beat up <laughs> from nocturnal commissions that the idea of doing another Kickstarter, you can't half-ass a Kickstarter. No, you, you can't just throw it up and say, hey, take it or leave it. Like, you have to believe it and be passionate and be present with that community every minute of every day for the month it's up. And it's like running a marathon. And I have everything ready to go. The page, the video, it's all there. I just ha won't hit click until i have the energy to be present what are you waiting for uh energy like you guys know <laughs> like this place that we're in this pandemic this whole this new world that we find ourselves in this timeline i don't know about you guys but my energy levels my optimism swings wildly some days i'm ready to conquer the world and other days i'm like you know what fuck it drive the whole thing into the sun and let's watch it burn <laughs> <laughs> and i can't bring that to a community that i'm, I'm pitching a book to nice. so when i feel when i feel mentally able to to climb that mountain i will and it will be soon and this is but, the ghost band book the ghost band yeah and you know i also want to support my artist anka gladnick did a fantastic job in the book and i want everyone to see how hard they work and how talented they are that to me is the collaboration is always the fuel for all of this money comes and goes status comes and goes all anyone who was hot two or three years ago you know like it comes and goes but like the relationships and the work will sustain if you like it if you're proud of it yeah oh, it's a pretty art school answer yeah, but I mean, you are you are a wise old man, Jason. <laughs> Fuck you both. Fuck you both right in the mouth. <laughs> I'm, I'm only 19. I'm 19. We're probably <laughs> contemporaries, if I'm being honest with you. I'm 42. So oh, you're an old fart. I know. Yeah. You know. I'm 45. Okay, so yeah, so we're all contemporaries. We kind of grew yeah, yeah. up around You the look same younger thing. than us. Look at this gray yeah. man. <laughs> That's because yeah. he doesn't have kids. That's why. I don't oh, have yeah. any kids. Yeah, yeah no kids. Yeah. And no yeah. job. I mean, I, I'm really like, I have no, no, no responsibilities. <laughs> I'm just sponging off the old lady. Yeah. I want Jason's life. That's yeah, you, I, you should, I got <laughs> toys. I got masks. I got comic books. I see a thing poster in the back of <laughs> the it. Thing, yeah. It's a Halloween. I can't see the thing poster. Where is it? It's, it's right signed by Carpenter. Get out of here. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm yeah. fucking jealous I, now. I thought yeah. you meant like a Ben Grimm, not the. No, okay. come right, on. Right. Nerd, please. I'm just saying, I love Ben Grimm. Like, that's my dude. All right. Okay. You know. the, the thing right. John Carpenter, like, like yeah. they live John Carpenter. Which is kind of like... what we're living in right now. Like, every time I go to the grocery store, it's like fucking walking around in the thing. Like, someone's got this virus. Someone is, someone is this demon. This thing is going to get me. No one trusts anybody. And you just walk around like, get the fuck away from me, lady. I just want to buy bread, you know? Yeah. You have to look at their eyes. If the fire doesn't reflect in their eyes, I'm just carrying on. It's scary, wonder. man. It's scary. <laughs> it's scary. It's a scary yeah. time we're living in. I feel like I'm a total downer. So, uh, yeah, I teach comic books and, um, like, actually making a syllabus. Like, I didn't think I had a process. I felt like I really bumbled through it all. But when I make a 16-week syllabus for my students, I realize I really did have a system uh, for creating comics. And you guys know this, like, when you have valuable free time, like you need to create. So the more time you spend, basically what I'm doing is I'm teaching my students how to go into a room and come out with an outline in like an hour. Like mm -hmm. how can you train yourself to get, be in this place where you can produce? Maybe you have kids, maybe you have a job, maybe you have two or three jobs. Like if you have 45 minutes, how can you take that time and create and not just like lie down and be exhausted or play video games? You know, which are really good options sometimes. They are fantastic options. Because I, I, I am, you were a good follow on Twitter, and I saw that you wrote a novel, and then you spent six weeks drinking and playing video games. <laughs> like, is Red that Dead true? is absolutely true. I play video <laughs> games like six in the morning till the sun comes up, and I'm like, maybe, <laughs> maybe this is wrong. <laughs> You know, it's Redemption Two. It's Red Dead Redemption Two. I spent a lot of time camping with my horses, Ginger, Pepper, and Cookie. <laughs> okay. And we just go fishing and camping, and I, I avoid all the story missions because Dutch is a real piece of work. Uh, like my boss in the game, he's a real prick. He's gonna get us all killed. So I decided to go fishing and ride my horse around. And I don't like to get pulled into robberies. I, I tip my hat. I say hello to everyone. And uh, yeah, 
We just you're, go you're like you're like the Lone Ranger of Red Dead Redemption. You're like Roy Rogers over there. Like you're I am playing it like it's Animal Crossing. Like I'm just getting along with everybody, collecting pelts. I'm buying a lot of outfits. <laughs> I mean, you do what you do well. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. And I will say you are a good follow on Twitter. I will give oh, you that. Thank you. Uh, what is your Twitter handle so people listening to this can follow you on the social media? Uh, it's at Jason McNamara, I believe, right? There, yeah. I believe so too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Jason McNamara on yes. Twitter. I liked your tweet the other day when you said uh, your neighbor. What happened with now? Is this a tr- this true story? Your neighbor oh, asked. Yeah. First off, <laughs> the I, should, thing going. <laughs> I should tell you that my wife made me a really bougie uh, bathroom. My wife's good at everything except okay. picking husbands <laughs> and and comics. She can't be good at comics. She can't be good at comics. No, yeah. but she's a great editor because uh, I learned grammar in a barn. <laughs> so possessive pronouns, you know, that's a thing. Anyway, she could find them all. So I did, when I write scripts, I sort of like sprinkle commas throughout them, willy nilly. We'll put a comma <laughs> over here, a comma over there. She fixes all that for me. She makes me look like literate. So I have a really nice bathroom. It's hard to get out of. It's got blue fur in the inside. It's got black pinstripes on the outside. It's got a pinstripes. Got, yes, it wow. is something else. It's um, Look at that. Yeah. So I don't want to like you know flash my neighbors. I put that on, and I go outside and I wake up around noon or one and I go outside and I have <laughs> I watch the dogs do their business in the yard so I know when to get it. But some days, you know, you just take the pot of coffee out there. I pour milk now in the pot and spring the whole pot outside. That's good. I'm the only one who drinks it, so fucking why waste the cup, right? It makes sense. Yeah. And then I'm trying to, like, be good and finish stuff in the cupboard. And, yeah, I'm out there eating breadcrumbs, just drinking my pot of coffee. And my neighbor, we cut the hedges. He can see me. He's like, hey, man. So uh, I've been getting a lot of writing done. And I'm like, what do you fucking think, man? I'm, out here. I'm like, it's one in the afternoon, and I'm just drinking coffee out of a pot eating stale food and yeah man it's going great i wrote a young adult novel i get off my back <laughs> now oh you tell me about your young adult novel uh so it's um we're gonna kickstart it and it's i wrote a book called the, the future is a day behind we may have changed it anyway the future is a day behind it's about this kid uh you know you ever sent a text to someone and they're like oh, i didn't get it for like a day yes, yes. yeah i had to write the opposite this kid gets a new phone and he starts getting texts from a day uh, a day in the future He's getting tomorrow's text today. He's like, holy shit. Uh, and then there's like a mystery. Something bad's going to happen to this girl he's got a crush on. So then he's got to try to piece all together all these texts he's getting from a day in the future. Uh-huh. That sounds great. A, a, a tragedy. Yeah, it was supposed to be like 3,000 words. And then we, it's like 10,000 words now. It's this guy became a whole book. That's I really awesome. got into it. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I'm a writer now. I just wrote a book. Uh, do I got to do it again, or can I just like put my feet up and like play video up. games for six weeks? You, I mean, you yeah. could because you could have just come back at your neighbor with "fuck you." I'm camping with ginger cookie and pepper. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> hey man, <laughs> I shot a cougar last night. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck did you do, <laughs> old man? You went to, you went to your job, <laughs> sucker, <laughs> sucker. <laughs> So when so you, when you go when ahead, you Kev. go into uh, teaching your class, like mm-hmm. like do you do you discuss like panel descriptions and stuff there, and like what's the advice that you give? And because a lot of people ask us, like I, I don't know about Bob too, like when, when we're at conventions, like well, how do you start, right? And then I'm like, okay, I'll tell you how to start. Yeah, you start with the germ of an idea, right? You start right. You start with three sentences because if you can't tell a story in three sentences, ten thousand more words are not going to fucking help you. <laughs> so, and I don't care like three sentences bring it down first act second act third act every story is three sentences at its core so think about this next time you're looking at something on Netflix it's usually one sentence two sentences right so what's the action you want people to have so when you write like a synopsis for your for your book right if you send it to an editor it's not entertaining it's for an editor so it's to be, what's the action you want that copy to affect so say yes to your book when you write solicitation copy in Diamond, right? What's the action you want people to take? That is for retailers to order your book. Yes. So three sentences, and if you're pitching it to an editor, it doesn't matter. But those three sentences, polish those three sentences, beginning, middle, and end, until they're really, really tight. And then you can pitch it to an editor. You can pitch it to anybody. But you also there have first act, second act, third act. Take each of those sentences and turn them into a paragraph. Take that second act, turn it into two paragraphs. Now you have an outline. Once you have an outline, you do a beat sheet. What's a beat sheet? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> in comics, the page, every page is your canvas. And you have to, when you're writing a comic book, you have to think about the interaction, the experience of reading a comic book, right? And what does it have? 
page turn. So we all experience a three minute song in three minutes, right? But how long a comic book takes you to read is dictated by your engagement with that material. So there are things that you can do to slow down the reading experience and enhance the engagement so people spend more time marinating in your work. One of those things is you take dialogue at the top of the panel and then you're crisscrossing from top to bottom so the eye is constantly moving over the artwork. Did you ever read like Garfield or something in the paper and all the words are at the top and you yes. read all the words and then you go and read all, you look at all yeah. the artwork. Then you have failed as a visual storyteller. You want the eye to move across. Wait a minute, you're saying can. Jim Davis is a failure and his yeah. team of writers and artists? How dare you, sir? Well, it's a very different format, but you, you know what I'm saying. I know. You want people to stay. You want people to experience your story. So you can slow it down that way, but also take the page turn into consideration. Right? So pages, even to odd pages, face each other. So if you have a big reveal, you don't put it on an odd numbered page. Because when you open up a book or a magazine or anything, your eye scans all the information. This is one of those things humans do to survive. So if you have a reveal or a pacing thing, or you want to end a scene, use that page turn as a natural reset, as a pause. The reader is actually resetting when they turn that page. So you can make a, a reveal pop, you can transition, but keep that in mind. Also, how you start a book, I think is something I often talk about with the kids. Like mm -hmm. you don't want to start with like nine panels on page one because it looks like microfilm. <laughs> we are transitioning. <laughs> like we are transitioning from the real world where our optics are everywhere to the written world. So maybe three panels, maybe five, maybe a splash page because we're transitioning from real world to story world. You want that engagement. You want to pull people in. Uh, so beat sheet, you probably know how many pages you're working with, right? If you guys are doing a graphic novel, Maybe it's 96 pages. If you're doing single issues, it's probably 20 to 24 pages. So you do a beat sheet, what's happening on every page. And then you can look at your story at a high level and see how it's flowing. So we did that with Nocturnal Commissions, Greg and I, and we realized that we were wrapping up the story way too early. And the denouement was way too long. And you don't realize that until you do a beat sheet. Every page needs a reason to exist. Uh, so I would play with the beat sheet, the page pacing of the whole story, or at least act by act. And then from there, you write a script. And I'll tell you what not to put in a script. Travel. No one gives a fuck how people get places. I see this all the time in scripts. Like, well, then they're on the bus, and then they're on here. I'm like, you know what? They just get there. Like, no one cares because it's mundane, because we all take the bus. We all do this. We all take trains. Like, it doesn't need to be. It's not sci-fi. If, if it's a train on Mars, keep it. But if it's the real world, like, no one gives a shit how anyone got it. Yeah, so wait a minute. Yeah. So you're telling me that... As a comic book uh, writer, I don't want to write pages of some asshole schlubbing in a bus because who wants yeah. to read that? Right? And I see that a lot. It's a, it's a rookie mistake, but it's not visually interesting. So if you have a, a conversation, you need to get on the page, match it with visuals. So maybe you're doing a day in the life and you see this person, they can be happening asynchronously, right? Or asynchronously. Oh my God, help me out here, guys. I've been talking a lot. Asynchronistic. Oh, for fuck's sake. Asynchronistically? <laughs> yes, thank you. There you go, Kev. I'm all right sometimes. My mouth is dry. So, because you're yammering away like a yammering. crazy person. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, I got dressed for this. I'm really impressed. <laughs> I, you know, though, I, I'm, I'm pissed off that I, I haven't seen your robe yet. I just want, especially now I that get it. it's been visualized to me with pinstripes and fur on the inside. Oh, I will get it. It's He's upstairs. mad because he wears ascots. Yes, get get, get the robe for him. Yes, <laughs> we'll get it later. We'll get it later. We'll get it finish, later. finish your thing. Yes. Um, okay. So, finding visual um, the visual conflicts in your story, like these stories have to be about things going wrong. So, another thing that I see in scripts is people create these characters and they love them and they want to treat them with respect and they just want to coddle these characters. And in real life, we want to be kind to one another, right? Yes. But stories are not realism. Fuck realism. Realism is so cheap. We can all look outside and see it. Stories are about conflict. So um, you have, if you create these characters, you have to put them through hell. And they have to have conflicts between them. Even the best of friends, even you two, have conflicts between you. They don't always have to be on the surface, but they're there. Like where we come from, socioeconomic, cultural, all these things make us a little bit different. So that's another thing I would, I would really encourage people to do in writing scripts is make their characters different. And the conflicts don't have to be the point of the story, but they're unique characters. Think of the Breakfast Club. Like those are really broad character types. Yes. They're different. Yes. 
together, you see the differences between them on a visual level really, really quickly. Yes. Can so you look at two characters and understand them from their physical grammar together? That is their facial grammar. Um, you know, if you have two characters that are leaning in together, touching shoulders, you would assume they are close. Yes. Uh, if they are leaving a seat between them, they may be strangers. At a glance, can I read the physical grammar between characters and grok that relationship without a balloon saying, we're not, we just met, we're not friends. Like, that's redundant. <laughs> I don't need that. Put it in the visuals. The, my favorite part of writing comics is taking words out of comics. I don't want to read up. If I open up a book and I see a ton of lettering, I know that the artist didn't trust the writer, or vice versa. The writer didn't trust the artist to tell the story visually. Yeah. That's my great joy is when I can take stuff out and let the art breathe and tell the story. So, yeah, I would really encourage people to think about the environments they're in. Is it a unique environment? Is it something we see every day? That means nothing. Um, that's a bit of a tangent. What questions or concerns do you have about my rant? None. I am just, it's just I'm fun just to listening. listen to people talk comics. <laughs> yeah. I dig it. Because, yeah. because like, it's it's interesting to see how different people do different things in comics because like you were just saying you know a bunch of word balloons on the page you read like a bendis book and there's a lot of characters sitting places eating things or and having huge word balloon conversations so like you know and and you're saying don't do that so that's that's interesting because i like bendis and i think the conversations that the characters are having are interesting but they're also marvel characters so they've been around forever it's not like the same kind of thing that you're trying to get across with your indie book you know yeah, so. yeah there haven't been a lot of comic books before bendis of like daredevil eating lunch yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah. yeah it's it's unique and obviously look look no one has all the answers which is why you should have a wide swath of it teachers and sources that you pull through right. but bendis is bendis because he does bendis really really well mm-hmm I this is how I tell stories and what works for me is something I'm really confident in, something I want to see I feel like you should always write comics that you would want to discover yourself on the shelf um, and I've read a lot of Bendis I think he's clearly gonna you know, go in places nothing against him but <laughs> I don't want to tell stories like that I am I don't right. find that rat-a-tat-tat dialogue uh, really pleasing to the visual eye All right. um, I, I think he's done some great stuff Hello, has Daredevil yeah. awesome Actually, his Iron Man is really underrated. I thought his Iron Man was fantastic. And his Doctor Doom as a hero? Yes, very uh, good. Yes, yes, my yes. favorite interpretation of Doctor Doom. It breaks my heart that they've reset him back to this. this yeah, villain. it's dumb. But I mean, like, that's just what they have to do. It's got to go back to the status quo, and then they just kind of redo, and then status quo, and then reset. It's stupid. I miss the old yeah. days where... I miss the old days where a new team would come on and the book would continue the numbering it had. Before, yeah. as opposed to like going well that's they're done let's start let's reboot this thing let's start it all over again you know it makes me feel completely lost it does yes. and it's and it's frustrating I've been reading comics for 30 years yeah. why am i lost <laughs> what's spider-man doing now like how does that work it's a number one like i don't even yeah. know where to go next yeah it's hard it, and, it, and part of it it breaks my heart as a guy who's read comics his whole life because i don't understand spider-man anymore and that was the one right. thing i always thought that i would get is spider-man you know but no nah. but i mean it, you still get some good stories now and then but what do i know what my spider-man know? was my favorite spider-man was like the late 70s early 80s and he was like a real weirdo <laughs> he was like a and like being spider-man was like making him a real fucked up person and my favorite all-time spider-man moment is it's a peter david issue spider-man is so lonely and weird in the head he comes home and he lays out his costume and then he opens up a soda and he puts it in front of the costume. And he sits there across from the costume with two open sodas and says, you're my only friend. And I was like, <laughs> that guy is fucking mental. <laughs> uh, he has kept secrets from people for so long. It has made him a crazy person. But once he got married and he just became something else. And yeah. it's cyclical. You know, you can't. Disney is not going to put out the weird Spider-Man who's like treating Betty Brant like an asshole. Yeah. Like all his like weird mental mind games with people. Like what he did to Deb Whitman. Like, I liked Weird Spider-Man because when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I can grow up to be a complete fucking freak. <laughs> and treat people like garbage. Yay, comics. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, as, but you have to make sure you're shooting webs out of your hand before you start treating right. You can do that. Yeah, you can, yeah. can climb walls. Right. So if I want to get nocturnal commissions, I can go on Indiegogo and pick up a copy of that, yes? Yeah. And it's when right we start there. the podcast, I'll like, give a link and stuff. <laughs> 
Okay. When we get started. When we, when get, we get started, started yeah. Right. yeah. When the, the pre-interview um, is done. And so you're at Jason McNamara, J-A-S-O-N-M-C-N-A-M-A-R-A. That's you. Sure. That's you, Jason McNamara. <laughs> yeah, that's in- right. You're an interesting fellow. Uh, Thanks. You've, you've clearly got your 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 ideas about comics, and, and you're just <laughs> and you're just doing it, dude. I, I mean, yeah, I just, that's I amazing. The hell out of that, you know. Because Thanks, and, man. And Nocturnal <clears throat> Commissions is amazing because I have the book. I, I back the Kickstarter. It's amazing. It's amazing. Book. Yeah, I think Greg and I really bring out the best in each other. We really um, just have a good time working together. And you have to listen to your collaborators, right? So when Greg brings something like I, I, I change the words to try and match what he's doing, and I just try and respond back and forth. Like it's a conversation between him and I. And every collaboration has to be like that. You have to, you're choosing these people because they have a talent, a way of telling stories. Um, so every collaboration feels really different because the conversation that we're having as creators is totally different. That's awesome. But yeah. But anyway, uh, so I'm doing another Kickstarter for Ghost Band when I don't feel uh, so depressed. So it could be a while. But uh, one of the tiers will be a comic class that I'll teach with nice. four individuals. Yeah, I'll That's take them cool. over six weeks and go through my whole spiel from taking the germ of an idea to a collaboration-ready document. That's awesome. We'll do beat sheets. We'll do synopsis. We will do – I'll cover solicitation copy, how to write that. Um, yeah, That'll really, be gone in the first day. I, I'll bet you so. money. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. There are so many people that There's want so many people want it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and I sort of – wish like so when i started when i was in that bar telling tony in you know six months uh we'll be working on spider-man uh, i had no idea how comics were made like com- you know spider-man's been written a year in advance forever like there, there's no just getting in there uh, and i had no idea what i was doing so i feel like i'm really excited to teach comics and illuminate people that this is not some mysterious art like anyone can do it comic writing is problem solving if you can effectively problem solve you can do anything really it's sort of any creative project someone has done it before i'm not especially bright or intelligent but i can do this <laughs> i promise you if i can do it anybody can do it but it's I mean, still weird but it's isn't it weird though the way like people look at writers and creatives through like i could never do what you do that's so difficult and you're speaking to like you know an accountant or a, i have a friend who's a lawyer who's like i don't know how you do this like how do you write these conversations in your head it's like dude it's because i never fucking stop talking i just eventually yeah. write down stuff that i'm saying to myself throughout exactly the day. yeah that's yeah. right tell them just talk yeah. to yourself yeah. i do it all day long yeah i'm just playing with myself <laughs> talking to myself in the mirror i'm like dude you're a, you're a lawyer like you went to law yeah. school and passed the bar that's impressive <laughs> i just never shut the fuck up like that's like but I will say, so like writing, anyone can write comics, but I, I'm not going to tell you that you can be uh, like Brubaker good. Well, that's a, right? I mean, that's like. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I'm always like Brubaker. Like, I, I don't know how to write like Brubaker. I'm in awe of that guy. But I can write like, you know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I'll be middle of the road. I'm all right. But, but I mean, yeah, what's wrong yeah. with being middle of the road? You're I mean, talking to two dudes who wrote a book about a, a shark guy who is uh, the the servant of Satan. So, like, but that's you know. your voice, right? So I feel like <laughs> you talked much. about Bendis. Like, but Bendis is his voice is his voice uniquely, right? He gets away with things just because it works for him doesn't mean it will work for us. But like, you guys have your voice, and you do your voice better than anybody else. And that's what I tell all my students: is like every story may have been written, but it hasn't been written by you. It's true. Well, yeah, like, I do Bob's voice better than I do my own because I talk to him so much. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got a great voice. I'm not surprised. <laughs> you should do Bob's voice. I wish I could do Bob's voice. The Bob's voice I'm, is easy. It's, um, yeah. it's not that hard. You boys are so <laughs> yeah. sweet. That Jason, yeah. McNamara, that Jason McNamara is a sweet boy. What a, so, what a kind young man. That, I don't I care was, if he's sitting outside <laughs> drinking coffee out of a pot of his pajamas. He's a sweet fella. Look, I set my alarm for noon these days. I am not an animal. Okay, I'm a real human being. I mean, live your truth, dude. That's the <laughs> live your truth. <laughs> Go ahead, like, Jason. Uh, live your dreams. Live your dreams. See, there's my boss. If I could say the, the one thing uh, that I wish I had known when I started, and back me up on this, other people's success is not your failure. Yes. Yes. And I was a petty little bitch my first couple of years in comics. I really was. And someone would get a job and you'd think, but I'm a better writer than that guy. Yeah. What kind of world is going on? And that's the wrong attitude because I, 
Bendis tells the best Bendis stories. You guys tell the best Metal Shark Bro stories. I tell the best Jason McNamara stories. Like my voice is uniquely mine. And the only people that I'm really competing with is myself. Mm -hmm. Like, correct. Yeah. Are my habits productive? Am I honoring my talent or skill by working every day to making more work? Right. That's the that's the only thing I can control. And what goes on, like, look, we all see bad movies. We all read bad bad books. Like, some people just get lucky. They're in the right place at the right time. Maybe they're better at networking. It's not a failure of mine that I'm not writing like Man Wolf for Marvel. Right. It's not like I wrote the best version of Nocturnal Commissions that I could write. Now, Kevin said, uh, I hate to work. We've kept you on for almost an hour. So I want to wrap I, this. You, you think I have somewhere to go? It's true. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. He's going to wake up tomorrow at noon. Why do you feel sorry for him? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to be, I don't want to take up all of his time. That's all I'm saying. I'm trying to be, good, like, dude. I'm trying you're to be good, a good, you, I'm trying to be a good interview here. But you're if a you're, good you're man, Charlie Brown. Brown. Now, Kevin, <laughs> we started the interview? No, not yet. I haven't okay, recorded yet. This is all the pre show shit. I'm just trying to get it all the way. I would never say this publicly okay the super bowl's not ready yet yeah, like, yeah. the pre the pre game <laughs> we're still doing the background stories i'm only on beer number one we're not even there yet so kevin was telling me that nocturnal commissions started out as like three established characters is this true is this what he was it saying is true so what three were they like how did you come up with this like okay so i worked for the golden state warriors as a creative consultant for a couple of years really Yes, I did. That's awesome. It was. Uh, I only went to one game. I never met any of the players, but I knew when they were there because you would see like really nice cars a lot. Okay. You would see like a Bugatti. If you're like, oh, I guess Streamlock Green is here or something. <laughs> um, but I, I worked on some special projects with them, and they had a relationship with Marvel. Okay. So I actually got to go to Marvel a couple times. Really? When Alex uh, Axel Alonso was the editor in chief. <clears throat> okay. And, and I was mostly working with the custom solutions department people that make comic books for like you know if, if uh, Grumman wants to do a comic right they go to the custom solutions department um, so we were experimenting maybe the uh, Golden State Warriors do a comic book they never did but I thought okay I, I'm finally in the room uh, I will you once this relationship concludes and it did I will send them a pitch now that I know people at Marvel well Axel you know left Marvel uh, he was no longer there. <laughs> Pretty much, if you're an editor in comics, don't return my email because you will get fired. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So how far along did this pitch get? Like, did it not? Uh, Greg and I made a pitch for a relaunch of Night Stalkers. Okay. The title from the 90s. And it was going to star Morbius, Werewolf by Night, and Simon Garth Zombie. <laughs> and uh, I, I wrote a pitch. I wrote a year-long uh, outline of what I would do these characters and who they would interact with. And I brought up every forgotten 70s Marvel horror character into this thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I wanted to play up the uh, like a, a rivalry between uh, Man-Wolf and Werewolf by Night. Oh, that's <laughs> cute. Yeah, yeah. And um, we had a bunch of fun stuff in there. And we sent it into, I think, the Spider-Man editor. And he was nice, and he said, uh, I can think of like five times in 20 years that we've taken an outside pitch. Um, so it's just not something that's done. Like, you just don't send Marvel unsolicited pitches. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. And I, I would probably guess the other five came from like Mark Millar or something. Like, <laughs> you know, like, or like J.J. Abrams' kid or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because uh, the idea of all the 70s monsters, did you ever read Frankencastle? Yeah. 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 Um, Tony, did you like it? Did yeah. You did, like did you like Frank I and did. Castle? I did. I did. Okay, because because we're like the three people that like Frank and Castle. Tony Moore. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and Tony Moore used to have a show in Cincinnati because he got into a thing with the bigger show, so he started his own show. And he used to like go around to tables like a real showrunner and ask you, "Hey, are you doing okay?" Which is really weird to have Tony Moore ask me if I'm yeah. doing okay. Can I get you anything? And I, we were just talking one day, and I told him, I said. Frankencastle was the fucking coolest Marvel shit that I ever read. And he told yeah. me that it took him like three years to talk Marvel into doing that. I so bet. Maybe yeah. send him the pitch a few more times, see what happens. Maybe no, it's too late. We, we changed it and made it our own. Is this better to do it our own? We it don't is. ask permission. Like we sent it in. You know, they may have looked at it. We don't know. Which uh, I liked that when you said that. You, he said that, and then he said, well, I didn't want to wait for permission, so I just did it. Like, I love that. You know? I, isn't it? That's the best part about like, it, it's It's wonderful, but it's terrible at the same time. Because if you want to get into radio, you can do a podcast to kind of mm -hmm. scratch that itch. But not everybody should do a podcast. 
comics are comics are great that way too because it's like i want to make a comic book cool make your comic book sometimes it doesn't work out which is sad that's the beauty of kickstarter right is like the barrier of entry is real low so if you think about like <laughs> but it's it's well, it's to my benefit, right? Because I can do a professional, we can do professional products in that space, but it's open to all these voices yes. and all these people that don't have to play this game of approaching gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. And like certain publishers will keep putting out the same looking books because it's the same gatekeepers making those decisions. So I've seen like stuff come through Kickstarter that would never get initially, would never be initiated at a small publisher, get picked up by publishers. Yes. So we talk about, um, like, look, comics does it does not have a dearth of middle-aged white guys. <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't. So what I love about Kickstarter is that these, it's open to anybody. And then I work with, in my students, I would say I probably had 100 students over the past two, two years. I would say, I think three of them were like, cisgendered straight white guys like the future of comics is really really diverse and what i love about kickstarter is that you know a a rising tide lifts all ships we're going to see all these new creators coming through kickstarter if they can do the basics yeah just produce a book on their own uh, and then introduce that to an industry because there are times where i'm on kickstarter and i read a synopsis of a book and watch a video and go how the hell did, did somebody not pick this up this is yeah. great. Yeah. yeah this is a great fun. idea. There's a book out now um, called Glass Vipers, I think it's called. Is that what um, it, um, is that Glitter Joe's? Vipers. Glitter Vipers. Glitter Vipers. Which Joe is Glass. About, like, Joe yeah, Glass is the right. It's writer. like yeah. drag queens who beat up. So, I don't know. It sounds it's amazing. It sounds, it sounds Sold. great. Yeah. Yeah. Sold. It's, it's, like, it. it's like a grindhouse drag queen thing. And I'm looking yeah. at this going, how does this not get picked up by somebody? Because like, they don't know it, what to do with it. Yeah. It's so foreign to them. They, they don't think anybody else would like it. Doesn't that seem like such a bullshit reason? Like, it's just almost laziness on someone's part going like, I don't yeah. know what to do. Yeah. yeah. Will yeah. it make money? Like, nobody wants to make bad art, but like, will it make money is the first step. Yes. Can I sell this to my audience? Um, so look, I love comic book stores. I would love to do more stuff through the direct market, but I just, me in this room, I'm not set up to do that. No. So mm-hmm. Kickstarter is what I can control. So, so I just focus just on it. that. Yeah. That's and awesome. if somebody wants to republish it to the direct market, I'm happy to do that. I'm That's not awesome. saying no to money. No, not at like, all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trust That's me, cool. my, my landlord wants it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Jason, Jason. Thank, thank you so much. Hey. All right. Well, let me know. Are you guys ready to start? I'm just saying it. it's over. Okay, it's over. So it's, it's, it's over. over. Yeah. It went by so quick. Though. I mean, we learned a lot today about each yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah, we all hate Dave Matthews, so now we're like brothers. It's true. Yes. Brothers in the struggle. <laughs> but yes, your town ta- talented cat, get that book. Uh Nocturnal Commissions. It's on Indiegogo right now as we speak. Go there, go there, go there and get it. Uh thank you so much. And uh hopefully we'll speak again soon when your new Kickstarter launches or whatever. Yeah, yes. no, let's do that, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a delight. It's been a delight. No, oh, you it's, it's the same. That Jason McNamara is such a nice boy. <laughs> <laughs> now you want to see the bathroom? Yes. Yeah, I'll hit pause. Hang on. Hit, hit pause. <laughs> Well, that was Jason McNamara. That was no yawner. I don't know why I yawned. I'll have to edit that out. But he was great. What a guy. It was awesome. Like, what, a return a for, what a return for word bros. I mean, despite the pandemic, we're here for you. Not really. Good. I mean. I mean, kind of. This is the, the pandemic's been going on since, what, March. This is July. This is our first episode. So we're kind of slacking. But whatever. We got shit we to were, do, man. We're depressed as shit. What are you talking about? We got shit to do. <laughs> so yeah man uh, jason mcnamara nocturnal commissions is on indiegogo right now check that out and uh, buy that book and make that man happy what a guy and follow him on twitter and and wait for his new kickstarter to come out the ghost band yep there you go so thank you very much for listening we'll talk to you guys um next week because we have another guest uh mario how do you pronounce Can- mario candelaria Man, there you go. Mario Candelaria. So we're going to talk to Mario, so that'll be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.